What's this? A note from Lauren. Hi Nikki, don't forget I am off on holiday this week so you are flying solo for the podcast. Have fun. Hashtag off on my jollies. Kiss, kiss, kiss. P.S. I've arranged for colourist Jack Howard to come in and see you. Oh yeah, mega. Love Jack. Hello, my name is Nikki Pope and this is the Respectfully podcast produced in connection with respectyou.me website for hairdressers. Usually, now yes, usually Lauren would come in at that point but she's off on her holidays. Hi, is that a roar? Hi, a roar. Listen, do you want to come and join me on the podcast this week? I've got Jack Howard coming in. He's an absolute king of colour. Works in a gorgeous London salon, but also is an educator, travels for a big brand and has a major Instagram following. He's invented Ballyard for the UK hairdressing community. Get yourself up here and join in. Well, Lauren, you've changed. I have changed. It's not Lauren anymore. It's not Lauren, it's Aurora. It's not Lauren today. I'm replacing her today. Well, thank you very much for joining in. My pleasure. We have got a lovely guest with us today, sitting across from us at the table, Aurora. Yes, we do. Let's say hello to Jack Howard. Good morning, ladies. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm ready. Really pleased to have you today. Thank you so much. Yay. We're trying to get you here for a long time, so... Very excited. We're going to be talking about all things colour. We've got a little agenda of things that we'd like to kick off with. Yes, we do. Now, I'm just going to take the cakes out of the oven as well. You just leave it recording with you That's an outtake. Jack and I caught up recently over a nice cup of coffee and we were chatting about the Colour World Colour Genius Awards. Jack very kindly helped devise our new category, which is... Colour Communicator. Colour Communicator, absolutely. Which I think actually, we were inspired by really what you do. So I think that is a good place to start. The communication of colour mm. is, gosh, it's massively different than how it used to be with the opportunity that social media gives us. But also talking with clients and education. So you, I know you wear lots of different hats and cover all those things. Well, I try to wear lots of different hats. I don't know whether I successfully do every day. But um, what I thought really was that, for me, there are two goals in in my day-to-day. One is to bring clients into the salon, and one is to bring participants to education courses. That's really what I like to do. So you do have a salon? You work... So I don't have a salon personally, no. It's um, Jack Howard at Paul Edmonds, so it's a collaboration. Yeah. It allows me an opportunity to work in a really beautiful environment, which I think is what my clients like but it also allows me to come and go as I want without having the hassles of running my own business um, in the sense of running a team or anything like that. I've never wanted to own a salon. No, but it's a great place to because it's such a beautiful salon in Knightsbridge. and Battersea Power Station. And they do lovely styling and lovely cutting and finishing, and so I can't do any of that. So I sort of found out what I can do well and do that. So would you? So when you have a client, do you collaborate with another stylist then to, to do the blow dries and things, or you will do that? You would not want to blow dry for me. <laughs> so yes, yes, it's always collaboration. It's always working with other people for right. me. And how has how's the reception been? How long have you been there? I think I'm coming into my sixth year at Paul's. Wow. So it's my tenth year in London this year. Yeah. Um, and it's 
was rocky to begin with. I think going from a sort of a, an incredibly busy American salon into being an unknown quantity and starting yeah, all so over again. Yeah, so just rewind that slightly for us then. So you are, you are British though. Yes. But you were living in the States for a yes. long time. Yes. And working in West Coast, East Coast? East Coast. I feel East Coast is a little bit more English. I like it. Uh, I like, it's, yeah, it's me. Um, DC and New York. I was there for 17 years, so a long time. And colour in USA at that point was beautiful blondes or was it? Well, you know, the market, our market anyway in West, in the West is definitely blondes. Um, we over, we over index in blondes in salons anyway, but yes, lots of blondes in America. Um, really, really commercial. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never understood how you could work so fast and American women were really clear about what they wanted and commerciality wasn't seen as a negative. Right. And you kind of woke the British hairdressing community up with balayage, I think. Yes, that's what's widely credited for, so it's quite a nice credit actually. But back in 2010 when I arrived on the shores with my resume and everything, there was no conversation about freehand work at all. Even major product companies said that's not what we do. Right. So there was an opportunity for me to hold a conversation and to get good press, which was brilliant. And I had a couple of it girls at the time in about 2013, I started looking after Poppy Delavine and, and those kind of girls, which were very of the moment yeah. in the press. So that was lots of fun. And also the conversation had changed. It had changed with Bleach London, had changed and turned into Dip Dye. Mm -hmm. People weren't talking about touching up their roots. They were talking about growing their roots out. Yeah. Uh, the so conversation changed. Yeah. It, was, it was nice timing. Some of it's always luck, I believe. Yeah. And then you've run with it. So coming back to the communication um, element of it, because there's loads to talk about, but you say you got lucky, you had the technique, but you also um, communicated. Yes. Not to labour that word, but it is what you do. You you were always very good, I feel, from our point of view in the media, at speaking out and using platforms. So would, so when did you come to social media, say? Facebook, was it Facebook first? Was it Instagram? Were you always... That's interesting because, I, personally, I believe that the American ex my American experience allowed me to speak differently to the Jack that left for America. So I was able to talk about hair colour in terms that the consumer understood and that's what the product companies like too because when you're talking to consumer press using you know 0.1 and 0.056 and slash this and slash that means nothing mm -hmm. and but when my first client in the states my first ever client in the states said to me I want my hair to sparkle well I was like what the hell does that mean <laughs> but now we use words like glossing and glazing and so the language changes my first platform for hair was Twitter yeah. in the UK, and that's how I met Sally Learmouth, who's my PR. I then went from Twitter to Instagram and had both. I got into some trouble on Twitter, and a friend said to me, you know, you need to lock that down. You can't be, you can't be political, you can't say right. what you think, people yeah. get offended. And I, yeah. I did offend some people, but yeah. you know, that's history. Well, I never look at Twitter on a Friday night. <laughs> no, rage. <laughs> yeah. But I took myself right off that, and for me, the platform to speak about what I love professionally was is visual, and so, it is Instagram. I do have a, a Facebook pay, business page, um, 
I don't use it that much. You it don't just post anything on I there. post from Instagram. So you do a lot of videos from um from when you do colour on mm. the model on yes. Instagram or you and you yes. comment on it as well. But you don't post anything on Facebook. Well, it won't po it won't post the videos from Instagram to directly face, to Facebook to anyway, so I don't bother with that. Oh, okay, fair enough, yeah. But the whole filming gets so much traction and people are yeah, so engaged with it. Yeah, videos get a lot of views on the people love that. Mm. Don't they? Yeah. yeah, and it pushes you up the algorithm now as well, doesn't it? Mm. So if you actually post a bit of moving film rather than still pictures, the the app loves it. You get people to yeah. stay so longer on yeah. the post. Yeah. And yes, watch and that's why if you put three yeah. pictures and there's a swipe across, you get people yeah. to stay there a little bit more. But for me, what I found was that I wanted to talk more with people as well. And so engagement is really important yeah. for me to have real conversations as, as much as you can. So do you use different platforms if you're trying to reach your consumer than if you're trying to reach your hairdressing audience? No, I found that I don't have to. The struggle for me was initially, do I have anything to post? Is that worth posting? And it was, and I think it's a, it's a normal human struggle and a struggle that's massive in our yeah. industry. Yeah. And I went away and did this uh, fantastic event. It was called The Collective. It was with a different product company to the one I'm with now, where Anko Tran and Chelsea Haircutter, who are huge with numbers, were there and they were part of, they were the influencers and I was the educator. And I thought to myself, they're not doing anything different to me. They're just yeah. posting consistently and what I've found is even the simple little tricks that I think everyone knows, lots of people don't. And so it's become quite easy just to talk about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah. So that works really well for you. Um, and then what, so, so do I draw from that, that hairdressers like Instagram as much as customers do? Is it still the number one place to reach people or things like obviously talking on air or is it still getting a live audience or is it? being in the press, whether it's the consumer press or the trade press, what gets you the comments or what, what gets you the feedback perhaps? I think my driving force is Instagram. Clients come in from it um, and hairdressers like my account too, they like what I'm showing them. So that's really important to me and it's probably my main focus out of everything. Obviously when you get an article in Vogue or you get an article in Glamour or Marie Claire or any of those things it's incredibly flattering but two years ago I made the decision not to do any print media anymore I would only go with digital media because I'd been at an event where everyone around the table was digital and they were all talking about SEO and uh, search algorithms and all those things and I just realized that although I like having those magazines in the house and I personally like reading the New Yorker and things like that but for me as a business it was digital Wow, so would you actually, you, do you mean you would actually um, decline an invitation to do print media? No, you I wouldn't don't decline. Seek it out. Not chasing okay. general print media at the moment yeah. because it's the digital ones that I think, for consumer, yeah. that are really important. As far as trade, it's sort of mixed on there because it's nice to be in the magazines with uh, all the other guys who are in there, people doing stuff. What doesn't, does it bring? I don't know. I don't get to. I don't know what the numbers are yeah. for all of that. Yeah, but exactly. it's important. Trade's important. Yeah, yeah. So we sat and chatted a few weeks ago about the colour communicator category for the Colour World <clears throat> Colour Genius Awards. Yes. 
CWGA. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> the CWGA is 20. Exactly. So we have, um, so this is the second year that we've had these awards and talking about those generally, and then we'll come on to the actual communicator, but generally last year when we launched them, you were very kind about them. And where do you think they fit into the scheme of things for the UK colour industry? So is that they're open to colourists at most levels. Some of the categories you have to be three years experience or some six. Years, yeah. yeah. But I know you, we, so we have commercial colour, which mm. you won. So I you know. are our commercial colour genius. I <laughs> love that. Of course, everyone loves a win, don't they? What does it, so what did that title perhaps mean to you to be commercial colour genius award because I think you commented that perhaps that there aren't very many other awards that acknowledge that category it's an un, it's that thing in the industry isn't it where there's this disconnect between artistic and commercial and so we go to lots of events and lots of trade shows and we see some really challenging for me looks with disconnected fringes and strange colours and that aren't marketable in a salon but are technically very clever um, and some people are showcasing the work but there, there hadn't been an award for people like me who work behind a chair who um, work in a salon who do commercial work and who have done really well at it mm -hmm. and made careers out of it and people who are making nice livings on high streets and villages across the country and so what was interesting to me about not only the the commercial category, that one, but the whole of Colour World was that it was open to colorists and it was easy to submit and it wasn't about hairdressers. Yeah. It was colorists. In the last 10 years, the conversation has shifted anyway and it really has been the decade of the commercial colorist. Yeah, definitely. And I think we, so there are categories, um, colour correction for example, where people need to explain what they've done. Yes. But yes, the main focus is that you can enter up easily online can't you Aurora? Yeah you can running. enter on colourworlduk.com and submit two pictures so before and after pictures um, and explain um, the process of for yeah. example for colour correction mm -hmm. explain the process and um, the issues that you tackled or how, just explain how you did the work yeah um, and then press submit and yeah and we have done. a great panel yeah. of colourists and educators who judge and then the event in May so for the colour communicator Jack, what would you say to communicate colour? We might, we've looked at Instagram, but we might be looking also at people who educate. Absolutely. And train their own teams, perhaps. Education, tr training teams, people can, I think it's people that are speaking to the consumer about colour. Yeah. Um, for me, that's, if I was judging that, that's what I'd be looking at. But again, that's always my shtick, the commercial piece. It's how people can have a really honest conversation about commercial hair colour and, and how they approach it because it's all very personal. Yeah, I've had a lot of people, well even all the categories actually, I've had a lot of people on Instagram because I um, look after all the social media for Colour World. Right. Um, I've had a lot of people messaging saying, oh I'm not sure my work is good enough to enter, uh, people aren't, aren't really sure and aren't really confident. What Do you have any advice to, get, to give them? I think that that feeling is normal for a lot of us that yeah. we don't feel like oh but so the do go to their feed after and it, it i mean it's worth entering and i do, I do say 
submit your work. You, you never know. Submit your work. But what, I've, what I found with some of the young people I work with is that they become terrified of entering, of failing. Yeah. And I always say to them, if you enter, it doesn't matter. If you enter it and you get finalised, that's fantastic. And if you enter and you win, that's even better. Even better but yeah. if you don't do anything, you'll never know. And you always regret the fact that you've never entered. I don't you think you regret. I think that just that fear then stops you from, from moving forward. Yeah. The thing about entering is actually the process of correlating the work and talking about it and looking at it and then presenting it. Yeah. And something like Colour World... It's, it's much easier. There's no interview system. It's done online. Yeah. You can take your own personal time, pick out your best pieces of work, and then as long as you've got a good before, you can do that. With the, obviously, with the colour communicator, and the, it's colour-tastic. Colour-tastic, they're the two yeah. films. You need categories. to do the videos, don't you? So yeah. one is a 90-second. It's yeah. not a long time, but it can feel like a terrible long time, mm-hmm. of your colour story. And the communicator one is 60 seconds about how you communicate, but... We can all pick up an iPhone. I don't think that you guys, and you can tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think we're looking for so branded and so perfect. We're looking for a story. A visual story. Yeah, 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 exactly. Something that feels authentic. Mm. And, you know, if it's it's made with integrity and authenticity, then that's... And I'm sure the judges will be able to just see this as well, to feel it. But we all know when something isn't... I think we all know when we when we watch something or we look at something, we make a decision about whether it, it speaks to us, but also whether it feels authentic or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, there you go. But it, you must be done. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> and you're right in what you say. I mean, I think entering competitions, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, yeah. you'll lose it. You never will. You won't suddenly start entering competitions when you're 40. I think you have to, to practice entering, getting over that... Yes. confidence thing and how has that evolved so you've been a colorist for a long time <laughs> <laughs> very long time yes uh, and so you must have seen huge changes in the industry so the product innovation is massive so what you can do with color now mm. you, you know you must have seen a massive shift i think there has been a massive shift over time there are there are two things that are different for me Bonding technology yeah. changed the conversation radically and everyone yeah. was chasing to try and keep up with that. But if the hair's not in great condition, you're not going to get a great result. You might just be able to colour it and it'd be okay. And then I think that the market forces, women are, women are asking for so much that within a salon, a, a, a board telling you a half head, a full head, a tint, yeah. really isn't sufficient anymore because it's so much bigger than that, isn't it? So yeah. I think the next big conversation, because we've had bonding technology was the revolution there's loads of buffers products are really good lots of acidic things on the market which is cool but i think the next conversation is going to be really about um sustainability just because it's a it's a a big issue yeah i think it's going to be product right products how we as an industry both manufacturers and hairdressers can do more yeah much more so what are the issues at the moment so because when you're rinsing off product that's the problem isn't it what we're chucking down the drains has that has to be part of the problem things like caps tubes yeah foils yeah um you know packaging that everything comes in why do we have so much packaging i mean we know that from a grocery shop but if you've ever unstocked a box of of color 
from product companies like oh my goodness yeah uh, all yeah, of those reusable, things reusable plastics, reusable plastics yeah. you know as or you know as much as you can so i think that's going to be the next big conversation yeah is this being driven by consumers asking for us to be more sustainable or do you think that the industry is actually just beginning to understand the issues that we create is it i think it's both isn't it i mean i think you know all the the, the skies are full of doom and gloom about it all at the moment and it's terribly, terribly sad and finally I think people have really woken up and want to do their piece. Yeah. You know, you can't do everything, but yeah. you can do a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Even starting now, we can do much more. Yes. Um, and even understanding where our waste goes and, you know, we've talked about this before in other podcasts and conversations, but even collections are different. Different mm. boroughs will have different attitudes to recycling waste, foils pieces of hair. We did do a podcast with, um, with Melanie Tudor, didn't we, with a yeah. refill station. No, you're right. I think people are really ready on, for it. So if we start like that and then see what we can do next. Absolutely. Because we have a lot of colour houses who are starting to talk about the actual, uh, the formulations and trumpeting whether they're vegan or yes. organic, but actually the packaging, as you say, and the, and the process mm. um, is important. How do you find clients these days? Are they better educated? Are they asking better questions so the services that we're offering and the things that we're talking about and whether it's balayage or ombres and all these things i i hear a lot of people friends uh you know talking but not necessarily in a very knowledgeable way mm. do you find people are coming in and saying i want i want a balayage but not actually knowing what it is <laughs> i think those women are coming in and saying that they want a balayage effect or they don't say effect because it's been tagged with balayage somewhere yeah i think that women are more clear about what they want mm -hmm. in in my experience they'll come in armed with their pictures and their photographs which is great for me um, I don't even mind if it's a black and white photograph because that usually shows contrast yeah. so that's a great conversation what I think is unclear is how do you how do they get to that point and I implemented this whole you've got to have a consultation before you can even book your appointment because it, it gets too crazy and the majority of women that come in to me for the first time are like, I've never had this kind of consultation before. So I think industry-wise, we need to work harder on talking to people about what's achievable and what's not achievable. Yeah. Different markets are affected slightly differently. So, you know, the market that isn't charging so much is going to have more problematic clients with maybe box colours at home and jobs that have gone terribly wrong, whereas at my price points I'm not having those kind of problems but I certainly hear of them yeah I think that when you, a woman shows you her picture of what she likes there's a lot to break down in that there's the feeling and the emotional that she she's bringing to the table and then there's this picture that has a ring light on it um, in the old days it used to be a photograph from a magazine now it's a photograph from the gram that's got a, a ring light on it it might have a soft filter on it it's perfectly styled I want my colour to look like that, but actually it's the styling. And so there needs to be stronger conversations from hairdressers about what we can do and can't do. And just because it's an effect doesn't mean to say that you have to paint it, hand paint it. It could be a foiling technique. It could be... There are many ways to yeah. get there. Um, the other thing is that hairdressers are frightened to charge. We inherently seem to be frightened to charge for things. So... I always, when I'm teaching, everyone's like, but if she comes in with a box colour, or if she comes in with this, and I'm like, but that's a, not a balayage service, that's a corrective service before you get to the next point. And so right. the bills 
obviously go up by that. But I think that as an industry, we generally undercharge and are frightened to charge. Yeah. Are we undercharging for time or expertise? Both. Right. Both. So I was at an event the other day and somebody said that they charged £40 for some highlights. And I'm like, how? How do you cover your product in yeah. that? And it was somebody who was a um, lovely lady who was working from home and was frightened. Yeah, to charge um, more. But expertise, absolutely. I charge quite a lot and I'm happy with that. And it doesn't mean to say I'm going to do a lot. I'm going to do, a, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do for it. Mm. But I'm not frightened of charging anymore. Yeah. I think, yeah, hairdressing is kind of its own worst enemy in a way because it's this whole issue isn't it that people don't value themselves enough mm. and their expertise enough so we don't charge enough so the client doesn't value yes. hairdressers enough so they don't pay as much yeah. so you know they, or still they don't think, turn up yeah or they still think that they can emulate what they've seen mm. in the salon or they pay for something somewhere and get it it's great and then get somebody else to try and copy it for less so but we don't <clears> really no we don't and the other problem is the consumer press. And the consumer press are looking for a story in a, in a digital age. They're looking for a new story every 24 hours, basically. Mm. And they themselves, those beauty editors, don't really understand hair and hair colour. So they're talking about things that aren't necessarily... They just want something interesting to talk yeah. about, which is confusing for the consumer too. Yeah, yeah. So, and this idea... So when your photo, so your style of photographing for the Instagram, I've noticed, is this because of the kind of hair you're doing, or is this a stance you take? They tend to be, or well, they seem to be, very natural light. Yes. You, you don't appear to use a background or a ring light, or to so, see, you always put the girls. I always see faces in yours anyway. Um, you know, often people just focus on holding the hair and looking at the actual colour rather than the overall effect. So my account has two things on it one is the technical so it's always the processing horn so it's the paint and the different ways i paint and they do really well and then there are pretty girls obviously i usually do them on content days um, right. or if i do them in this if i look after them in the salon i'll say to them when you're out and about take me a picture or something i struggle with taking pictures i'm not that good I'm never that happy. My phone is full of millions of pictures. It's never in one shot. The lighting isn't always right, but I, ring lights, I can't position the ring light properly to find a way in which I can get the shot right I light. want that talks, yeah, yeah. that speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And so my pictures have to speak to me before I post them. Right. I think, but it's, everyone has this problem, don't they? Yeah. Really? I like very soft. I don't like anything over-exaggerated, but they're the kind of women that I attract anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think we just need to be braver about editing as well. I, we, but I don't mean the editing as in um, necessarily putting effects on pictures, but I think editing out the ones that we sh don't show the best. You know, we all take eight photographs and then we keep eight photographs on our phone. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm getting better at now. The minute I take a few pictures sitting there and immediately saying, okay, I won't want that done. Yes. Because otherwise, when you're then posting to Instagram, you're in your feed and you can't quite see which was the best one. So I think we should do that and crop Really, we don't need to see the rest of the salon, we just want to see all I the I crop, I sometimes turn at a slight angle, so it moves it a little bit. Sometimes I'll zoom in and just take out the like the money piece, if I like that, because it's just, to me, it speaks to me. I do sometimes fiddle around with the lighting a little bit and the contrast to brighten it up for me, so it looks good on. But then every magazine does that anyway, so mm -hmm. why is it not okay for me to mm -hmm. do that? Yeah. Um, and I, I heart all the ones I like as I'm going along, and move those into a different folder. 
Oh, okay. Do we know about folders? Well, on Instagram, do you mean? Uh, on, on, my, on my phone. Oh, in your store. Yes. Okay, I'm going to ask you. Is that another aspect I'm going to go back to? It's no. a bit more about social media. <laughs> no, so I do that. It just makes it easy for me because right. then I go to favourites. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And then you can, so you can sort of be sat in a taxi or on the bus or whatever you do when you get yeah. into work and you can sort of favourite the ones that you like and then you've got a folder of your favourites and the other ones you can erase. Yeah. And do you look at other people's feeds or, or galleries? Do you take inspiration from them? Gosh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I um, totally look at other people's feeds. I, there are people that I really enjoy that I like to see what they're doing. Um, there are people who I admire, who I like to see what they're doing, and I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who, who are friends, and I, yeah, I'm on it all the time, really. It's a full-time <laughs> job. It is. Um, Moving forward, you, um, we're aware that you also do podcasts. Tell us about those. Where's, where's the motivation for that come from? Well, it's, this is my own personal pet project. It's called The Everyday Hair Colourist. And it's about people that I enjoy on Instagram and, and who I've met and who I've seen doing something slightly different or I've really enjoyed their stories or their conversation. It's not a numbers game for me, so I'm not looking to attract the biggest uh, biggest names. I'm looking for people who speak to me, resonate with me. Mm-hmm. So I've had some good names on there, some well-known names, mm-hmm. but my less well-known guests have been just as interesting and enjoyable. So is it, are you talking, tell us about the content. Is it talking about colour mm. or is it like um, talking to them about their journeys or discussing things? What's the sort of... We have a little bit of journey in there because I think that's always nice to figure out something like about someone. People, yeah. yeah. But we're, we're talking mainly about Hair colour, mm-hmm. um, Instagram, whether you love it or like it, and that, what, what you do, what works for you yeah. in there. Stories, stories of how they've got to places, collaborations. It's aimed at, it's aimed at anybody who loves hair colour, but yeah. even if you're not really into colour, and you, it's still quite good fun. Yeah. I love the way that you can do that these days, whether it's with YouTube or whether it's with social media, is that you can follow a line that you like and meet people either virtually meet them or really meet them. Yes. And I think that is, you know, we talk so much these days about the negatives of social media. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I think that, yeah, exactly. And I think that um, there is that, and we must all be much more aware of it. But I also think the positives sometimes get less... I think they do. But I've discovered so many things in people. I just find it really fascinating. And I love... You know, I start going through my feed and then I follow someone and then I see somebody's commented and I think, oh, who are they? And yes. then I follow them. Yeah. And then there's this little network. I think it's it can be brilliant. I've made Instagram friends. Who knew that there was such a thing as Instagram friends yeah. and that we talk and we'll send video messages to each people other? People you've never met as well. People you've never met who you'd like to meet. across the world. Yes. The other side of yeah, the world. That's, that's the lovely thing about that. I think that it is too easy to write something horrible mm. about something, whether it's whether you don't like the work if you don't like the work, why are you following them? Yeah. You know, or you don't like the person. Well, if you don't like the person, why are you following them? Why do you feel the need yeah. to write? I think it's Adam Reid put a fantastic post up the other day about something about it had given social media had given people the opportunity to say whatever they like without being worried about being punched in the face. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of true. Yeah, I know. And I think that a different behaviour, and we're all a bit too quick mm. um, to to comment or dislike or, you know, even emojis, you can stick up a angry face and and forget you've done it so what brings you joy these days you've done a lot of things you do a lot of traveling you do so much for 
the industry in lots of different ways, but what brings you joy? What's a big happy face day for you? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, if you ask my assistant, he'd probably say nothing. <laughs> oh dear. Um, um, that I'll be happy for a second and then I'll be moving on to the next thing. I don't know really what brings me joy. I think in the, in the moment, walking through my front door and closing it is very joyful. And sitting there in peace and quiet, I enjoy that. I think uh, my partner does bring me joy. Uh, he's had a really tough year, so it's been... It's been tough for him, but he, I sometimes look at him and he just brings a smile to my face. Mm -hmm. And the cat walking around. The simple things, really. Yeah. Yeah, do really you, simple when things. When you don't do colour or when you're not in the salon or just in the hair industry, do, mm. you, do you have any hobbies? Do you do any no hobbies. Outside? No hobbies. I go to the gym. I might read oh. a book. That's a hobby. Um, go to the gym, I guess. Going to the gym is not a hobby. It's a chore. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't that> a chore. <laughs> <laughs> you well, should look at a rose. Yeah, yeah. It's a chore. <laughs> I think we've run out of time. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you, Jack. Thank you guys. We Thanks enjoyed it. Thank you. Nice having a chat. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aurora, for standing in. Well, thank you for having me. That's okay. Right, let's get the kettle on. Have another yeah. cup of tea and a cake. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please scroll down on your device your smartphone or on the computer to find the notes where we will give you links check out our other podcasts on itunes and if you like what you hear don't forget to rate and review us because it helps to push us up in the charts <laughs>